intro. Good afternoon. I'm John Falchicchio, Deputy Mayor for Planning and Economic Development. And on behalf of Mayor Bowser, we want to welcome you to uh, the Recovery Weekly Check-In, uh, a series that we do every Tuesday at 4 p.m. in order to update you about what DEMPED and the district government is doing to focus on the recovery efforts uh, for our businesses and for our residents. So today we want to talk about the Bridge Fund. Uh, we announced the Bridge Fund just a few uh, weeks ago. It is a $100 million initiative uh, that Mayor Bowser put together based on legislation passed by the Council of the District of Columbia. And uh, we want to thank our partners on the Council for helping us as we begin the rollout of the program. Uh, today we're going to focus on the restaurant uh, industry and the uh, grant application that we opened just yesterday as part of the Bridge Fund. This uh, grant application and this uh, grant program will uh, disperse $35 million of district funding to our restaurants and food establishments. Uh, so we're excited to have a conversation about that today. Uh, in addition to that, we wanted to highlight uh, something else that uh, we think our viewers would be interested in. Uh, we yesterday uh, announced that the uh, Department of Employment Services will disperse a one-time stimulus payment uh, to our PUA recipients. So that's the Pandemic Unemployment Assistance Program uh, recipients. Those are folks who are uh, women have been eligible for unemployment before the pandemic, uh, but federal legislation allowed for uh, what we like to call for shorthand uh, gig workers to be eligible for uh, unemployment. And so that uh, benefit is running out at the end of the year. Uh, so what Mayor Bowser and the Department of Employment Services, under the direction of Dr. Eugene Clark-Hughes, wanted to do was have a one-time stimulus payment using CARES Act dollars in order to uh, give support to our gig workers. Uh, so district residents who have been receiving pandemic unemployment assistance or who applied before November 30th are eligible for this $1,200 payment. And the way that you can check to see if you are eligible is to check on the DOEF uh, unemployment uh, portal uh, and you'll see in your profile if you're a PUA worker and if you qualify for this payment. Uh, so we're excited uh, to work uh, with the Department of Employment Services on this initiative. So I want to uh, get us right to our topic at hand today, uh, which is our support of the restaurant industry. I have two of my colleagues in government, uh, Sabangwe Cook, who is the Director of the Business Development Unit at DEMPED, and Sean Townsend, who is the uh, Director of the Mayor's Office of Nightlife and Culture. Uh, some actually call him the Nightman. Uh, and so with that, I want to turn to Sabangwe Cook uh, to talk to us a little bit about uh, her work uh, in the uh, in Demhead and uh, on this bridge initiative. So with that, Sabangwe, you're up. All right. Thank you so much, Deputy Mayor. Uh, uh, once again, always an honor and a pleasure to be here with everyone today and uh, to echo a little bit of what the Deputy Mayor just mentioned, that we're talking about the restaurant Bridge fund today, um, and so let's 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 jump right into that then, shall we? Um, so it's a thirty-five million dollar grant fund. This is obviously to pro to provide financial relief for restaurant and food service establishments. But let's talk about what are who are the eligible applicants. Those applicants that are eligible are your full service restaurants, limited service restaurants, fast food, food service providers, bars and taverns, wineries, breweries, distilleries bakeries, cafes, uh, vending trucks, food trucks, uh, food courts as well, and even cafeterias are included uh, in this particular uh, restaurant bridge fund. Um, eligible uses of these expenses primarily are for general operating expenses, rent, mortgage, if you are a food truck, docking expenses, uh, payroll, insurance, mobile vendors, utilities, uh, and such, and even a renovation uh, due to uh, COVID uh, preparation. So that's also a component of this. The award of uh, the floor is $10,000. Uh, the cap, the max, 
is $50,000. As the deputy mayor mentioned, uh, it opened yesterday at 11 a.m. It will close, the deadline is December 28th at 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Uh, given that we know uh, folks are focused on the holidays, obviously generating revenue during this time as well. There are a lot of other important things that people are focused on. So this is open for uh, a lot longer uh, period of time. If we go to the next slide. We'll talk a little bit more about the eligibility requirements. You do have to have a physical location, um, at least have uh, one employee, uh, you know, uh, employed, uh, one district resident employed, it, that could include the owner, must be open and operating as we speak, must have uh, generated revenue prior to October 1st. Uh, there's also uh, information in here that uh, that is expounded upon uh, when you look at the guide. If a business was open uh, after the public health emergency between March and September, those businesses are also eligible. Um, you must have an active DC basic business license uh, and any other applicable licenses through ABRA. If you have those, we you will be required to submit those as well. Um, the uh, the cap in terms of annual revenue, if you have generated $10 million or less uh, in 2019, you are eligible. And if you uh, uh, generated $7.5 million in 20, 2020, you are eligible. Franchises uh, are independently owned and operated. They are eligible. Uh, you also must demonstrate financial distress. This is something that I'm, I'm sure businesses have seen in our last in our most recent funds that we have rolled out in the last seven or eight months, that still does apply. The financial distress is 25% decrease in revenue due to COVID, um, must be uh, LBE eligible. Um, obviously, you also have to have a clean hands uh, through uh, OTR uh, within 90 days of you applying. Next, uh, also the other element uh, and key component to the Restaurant Bridge Fund is that we've created a set-aside. The set-aside is for businesses that are resident-owned, uh, that are also uh, eligible uh, to be a resident-owned business, also an eligible SBE. And then one of the other following uh, must be, uh, is a majority-owned uh, business that's economically disadvantaged, uh, majority-owned by a woman or women. Uh, a certified disadvantaged business enterprise. So one of those three as well. And uh, this is a set aside of $5.25 million specifically for those type of businesses. So that's also carved out in this restaurant fund. Um, how to get ready. Um, you must have your tax returns, um, your 2018 uh, letter or your 2019 return and all schedules, your 2019, 2020 is also listed in here, your basic business license your uh, uh, applicable ABRA licenses, clean hands, I think I just said that as well, your certificate of occupancy, uh, proof of identification, driver's license, ID, passport, and your payroll roster uh, is included in this as well. I would like to also share something that has been a little different uh, that, it, that we're adding new as we continue to learn uh, and try to uh, you know, improve as we are rolling out these different funds is that we're also hosting some information sessions this week. So starting tomorrow, uh, December 9th, there will be an information session at 3 o'clock. There's also one on December 10th on Thursday at 1, and there will be another on December 11th at 11 a.m. These will all be recorded, and we will post them on the uh, COVID site. So in the event that you're not able to make it, you will, you will be able to tap into those and view those uh, at your leisure uh, as you are looking at um, uh, preparing to apply. So uh, we definitely invite you to join us. When you go on to the corona.dc.gov, uh, a website uh, slash backslash bridge fund, you'll see a, a link that allows you to register and just sign up. And all you do is you're putting in your information and it'll send you out some, uh, some details uh, to log into that WebEx call. So those will begin tomorrow. Um, also on the website uh, for additional assistance, there is a series of uh, FAQs that have been posted. There's also an application uh, guidance checklist, if you will. Um, that you can find on the Bridge Fund. And obviously, if you have any questions at all, uh, email us at restaurantbridgefund at dc.gov. That is the email address that you will, you will find us at. Again, the application closes on December 28th at 5 p.m. That's what I have for you, Deputy Mayor. Back to you, sir. Hey, uh, Samangali, thanks for uh, uh, reminding folks when the deadline is. Uh, also important that folks uh, really try to get the application in as soon as possible, uh, just in case you have any issues, any questions.
they're responsive in the next uh, few weeks, uh, as they always are. Uh, so, Simone, thanks for uh, and So, I guess keeping with the uh, the old rhyme that one for the money, two for the show, three to get ready, four to go. So, uh, we're up next. Simone uh, covers the money. Now, for the show, tell us about the work uh, that you've been doing with our sister agencies uh, to get uh, restaurants prepared for the, uh, the pivots ahead. So, thank you, Director Townsend. Thank you, uh, Deputy Mayor, um, and I will be brief with an uh, update from Mayor's Office of Night Life Culture. Um, I'm happy to announce that as of December 2nd, uh, 2020, we have now issued 586 uh, Winter Ready grants to businesses to help uh, winterize their outdoor uh, areas, outdoor outdoor. Uh, recently to talk through some of the grant 
Yeah, thanks. Well, thanks so much, Sean, for those helpful reminders, and definitely uh, share your appreciation uh, of Bonnelli and the team uh, for the work that they're doing. Uh, there's a lot of folks watching different ways uh, today. So there are some folks who are watching on Channel 16. We also have this streaming on at Mayor Bowser on Facebook and Twitter. Uh, you can uh, join the conversation uh, by using hashtag DC Hope uh, or to put it into the Facebook live stream to ask any questions, share any suggestions. Also, if you're listening on the phone line, you can press zero now. Uh, what that will allow us to do is have an operator see you uh, and be able to uh, bring you into the conversation. Uh, so we want you to join the conversation and we want to hear your feedback, questions, and suggestions. Uh, next up is Kathy Hollinger. She's the uh, executive director and CEO, uh, president, all those things, of the Restaurant Association of uh, Washington, uh, Metropolitan Washington, excuse me. Uh, and she's been a great partner with us to get out the word about uh, the programs and initiatives that we've had uh, throughout the pandemic and as we focus on the recovery. I know she's going to be a partner again. Uh, she has with us uh, one of her members, and board members actually, uh, so we're excited to have them both here uh, today. And uh, I'll turn it over to uh, Kathy, but before I do, for folks who are listening on the phone line, press zero now to join the conversation. If you're on social media, use hashtag uh, DC Hope so we can track down uh, your questions and comments. With that, I'll bring Kathy to the conversation. Thank you. Happy to be here. Uh, let me just start by saying to work with the deputy mayor and Director Townsend. Uh, we truly appreciate the contributions that this industry makes in terms of employment, revenue generation, uh, and really hope for creation for this city. I talk about it often, but we are a city that is comprised of 96% independently owned and operated restaurants, which makes it that much more important that we work together Thank you. 
expand accordingly to get through the winter months. Next slide. To date, 100 restaurants have closed in D.C. since March of uh, uh, 2020. In 2019, 47 restaurants closed in the same time period, so that is an increase of 112%. Pretty likely, based on estimates that we made in April, May, we're still at the 25% of restaurants will likely close permanently um, here in the district, but also we're seeing that across the region. We have worked nonstop with members of the council, nonstop with the executives, Deputy Mayor Falcidio, Director Townsend, and all agencies who have really been there uh, willing and able to think through some of the ideas that we may have in terms of resources and support, um, but also help us think through not only reopen, rebuild, recover, and reset for the industry. Next slide. So as we look forward to graduated phases of reopening, resetting, recovering, um, we're going to look and need to do a lot more of what has been done over the last eight months. And this is not just with government. With private sectors, with partners who can help us in various ways, knowing that recovery is going to be very, very long. Um, we are asking, asking local jurisdictions to partner with us on building consumer confidence, creating the right marketing programs that get people out and get people out at various stages of reopening. Next slide. And then, of course, as we move. Uh, forward and out of the COVID emergency state, um, and we are less constrained in terms of capacity limitations and social distancing. We know that it's not just about reopening, but it is really about reset. So we are talking as an operator community around what reset would look like, and really, how do we do away with anything that was considered a challenge or poor practice and think about how we can glean going forward. Um, REMW as an organization, we've been taking many intentional steps to really help our operators rethink their business model, to rethink their workforce, um, to rethink their spaces, and create tools that help their employees, that help their managers, help their, um, their ownership. Uh, we also uh, feel very strongly that as we reset, we have to be really deliberate and intentional around making sure that everyone is able to reset along with one another in a very inclusive way. So as we think about resources, are we also thinking about the same kind of resources for our black and minority-owned operators who may feel that they are more not marginalized during this pandemic? Next slide. Marketing. So as we do so much organizationally to market the industry, you can imagine we've had to reimagine every kind of uh, marketing program that drives diners to restaurants and drives butts and seats. Um, we uh, executed various campaigns since March rooted in gratitude where operators wanted to thank diners for support. Um, it was also rooted in safety protocols and COVID safety protocols to show the community that operators are ready, they're safe, they're operating under the highest of standards. And we also partnered with the city on the Mass Veterans campaign where operators were showing that they were careful, had their masks, but asking the same um, of diners to show a share of responsibility as they were dining in those we go into the holidays, it will be much more challenging. We know that people have probably been cooking far more than they ever thought they would over the last nine months. Um, this is the time to really dine out in the home. And um, we are focusing on a holiday at home campaign where people can support their local businesses, pick up, get food delivered, and uh, get through the holiday season in a safe way by supporting Restaurant. Next slide. I uh, I will just close with this before I get to introduce one of my favorite people, Tiffany. You know, we um, we as an industry are incredibly resilient. We have seen some really 
conversations we've done that. But I will say that, you know, I do think we're going to rebuild and be older and better and stronger from this. But the next couple of months are going to be really challenging. So thank you again, Deputy Mayor. Thank you, Director Thompson. You guys have been um, relentless in your support, and we're going to need it going forward. Tiffany McIsaac is who I am now uh, in Houston. She is the owner of Butterfield Bakery. She's done some pretty ingenious things in the last couple months um, and is really, really interesting. I'm delighted by So I am now passing it off to Tiffany. Thank you so much, Kathy. Uh, yeah, my name is Tiffany McIsaac. I'm uh, the Tasty Chef and co-owner of Butterfield Bake Shop. Uh, People often say, what's the bakery like? And at this point, I have to say the surgeon, uh, the one before Mark, or the one now. So I'll tell you both. Uh, one before Mark was both at the bakery in the heart of D.C., which you saw. Um, we're a bakery that specializes in sparkles and sprinkles, but uh, with an emphasis on cakes and celebration cakes, which is very tasteful, happy with what we love doing. Um, I will say it's a bit different now. We, um, once COVID hit, we felt that the shop just didn't have enough space to operate at full capacity um, and keep everybody socially distanced and, you know, feeling healthy. So we went ahead and closed the shop. A couple of these shops and these that, you know, to be perfectly honest, I really thought uh, we able to staff super teeth, hopefully in a couple of weeks. Here we are almost nine months later, so boy, uh, I hate to be wrong, but I really hate to be wrong this time. Um, so what we did was we closed for a couple of weeks, we opened at first with a more uh, a brief menu that people could use to order small cakes that were kind of on special menus. We would also have um, an assortment of pastries that people could pre-order. And that was just a way for us to, you know, stay in touch with all of our regulars. And people who were finding people had a week to celebrate. You know, birthdays were still happening, anniversaries were still happening. And we really still wanted to be there for those moments. After we kind of got used to that in the corner, we expressed custom cakes like some pickups. But then the biggest pivot that we did, which is what I kind of say the new butter, cooking and packing cake, um, we decided to really try and monetize and capitalize on our social media presence, which is really wonderful. We have a very engaged audience all across the United States. Decided to shift to a natural cooking model. Um, you know, it's definitely been an uphill battle. Uh, we only had a few short months to get it together, but we're cooking our gourmet baking kits we just launched maybe about a month and a half ago. It's been going fabulously. Uh, you know, I almost spent making around time today trying to get all of the orders out, and you know, that's got to be part that. I'm so, so grateful and so happy to have business to be able to pay the rent and pay the few employees that we still have. So, you know, that's the still doing it. That said, I will say that I'm really, really thankful for the grants that are coming up and looking forward to them because, you know, everybody looks at a restaurant and says, wow, this restaurant's so busy. How do they not have the money to make it through this? You know, how do they not have a kitchen fund? And of course, not every restaurant, but most restaurants, even the busiest restaurants, in the best case scenario, they have great fulfilling margins. In the worst case scenario, they operate in the negative. So, Something like this coming along is really devastating to our industry as a whole. Uh, and, you know, like so many other industries, we're not the only one. But I think the goal for most owners right now is just to be alive and be available for people to come back to work when this is over. Because at the end of the day, if there's no restaurants to go back to, we're going to have people on unemployment for a very, very long time. So, you know, these grants will help us get through that. It's it's also just like a huge mental boost to know that there are people looking out for us and helping us get to that light at the end of the tunnel. So, you know, I can only speak for myself, but I'm very, very grateful. And, um, yeah, I'm just thrilled to still have a business that's operating and be able to employ people. So, Well, thank you, Tiffany. Thanks for that. And, um, you know, you highlighted something that I think is really important in terms of uh, that when people walk in, they see uh, customers and they think automatically that this business must be, uh, flourishing. And I think for us, it goes back to the reason why the mayor started the bridge fund. Uh, she actually started the bridge fund uh, to help the folks who employ DC residents. Uh, if you don't know, we started 2020 with about 800,000 jobs uh, in the District of Columbia. We've lost uh, more than 56,000 of those jobs, and more than 30,000 of those were in the hospitality uh, We're in the hospitality industry. Um, and so really our focus on 
uh, the bridge fund is to make sure that we help the employers who are helping employees uh, of uh, their businesses and who are residents of the District of Columbia uh, so that they can flourish uh, themselves. We know how stressful of a time this is. And so to think about how businesses can market and brand themselves and reach new customers, we have Kim of Curate. Uh, Curate is a strategic marketing uh, firm focused on marketing, merchandising, and operations on the food, beverage, food and beverage industry. Uh, she's consulted over 250 uh, small businesses on growth strategy, uh, building out diversified revenue streams, uh, and identifying new uh, market opportunities. Uh, so I want to bring Kim into the conversation uh, because she is a master of the pivot. So Kim, we'll bring you in. Thank you so much, Deputy Mayor. Hi, everyone. I'm Kim Bryden. I'm the CEO of Curate, and we exist to shift the dollar back into our local communities by building an empowered supply to meet this changing consumer demand. So how does this happen? One, we have Curate courses. We often say you may make jam but not know how to run a jam business. You come to us. It's our food entrepreneurship education curriculum. The second is Curate Connect. We embed as the local purchasing team at large businesses and organizations think hospitals, convention centers, uh, acting as the prime supplier for them to then buy from a variety of local businesses like yourselves, perhaps. And the last is Curate Consult, where we work with city governments and business owners to help them pivot and innovate and think through this reimagined retail experience. I like to say that we think of tidbits of knowledge to share with people. We have a newsletter and a podcast called The Tidbit, so you can sign up and follow along there if you're interested in more um, tidbits of knowledge in your inbox. But three tidbits I've gleaned over this past year I wanted to share with you today. So the first is that I want to acknowledge that we are in this collective time of grieving. We've all lost something this year. And having compassion for others, but even more so compassion for yourself. As a business owner, your creativity, your beautiful heart, soul, and mind, it needs to be here, needs to be present. And making sure that you're taking care of yourself, especially in these darker months ahead. I know for myself, seeking out support groups or therapy is extraordinarily important in these times. The second tidbit I wanted to share is that I finished a cross-country listening tour where I was listening to food and beverage businesses that are not on the coast learning how they've been adapting this year. And one example I wanted to share was a restaurant in St. Louis that when you booked a reservation at their establishment, you actually reserved a parking spot and it was a tailgate. And so when they dropped the dish at your car, it came with an index card with a QR code that when you scanned it prompted a video on YouTube to learn the story behind each ingredient of the dish. And I loved seeing that they took that creativity and curiosity of storytelling into this new digital format. So I want you to think about, in this constraint, what creativity could emerge? And perhaps you could look at other industries for inspiration. Maybe you look at the video gaming industry and how they do community building and experience design, or the beauty industry and how they look at the unboxing experience. So really think about those ways you can imbue your core values in these new ways of reaching your customer. And the last is our bread and butter at Curate, which is diversification of your revenue streams. So through Curate courses, we just finished our last cohort in September. Um, it's a main thing that we talk about is what are the different ways in which you can create resiliency in your business model and have different forms of revenue coming in. So if you're a service-based business, how can you create a product? Think kava a la kava dip that you find in a grocery store. So I'm really excited to introduce one of the Curate Courses graduates, Yamrat Izaneh, who I think has done a beautiful job of being a restaurant owner, but also thinking through this pivot of what it means to go from restaurant to consumer packaged good. So Yamrat, I'm going to kick it over to you to take it away. Thank you, uh, Kim. Um, yeah, like Kim just mentioned, I'm one of the uh, graduates of Curate. Um, I'm, I'm indebted to that. Um, just to tell you a bit about myself, my name is Yambo Tizina, and I own uh, the Tien Aitiapi restaurant in Washington, D.C. Uh, our restaurant is a full service serving uh, lunch and dinner, mainly the vegan, vegetarian, and 
meet the issues. Uh, in terms of customer proportion, we had destination diners to local diners of three to one proportion. So we were greatly hit by the uh, pandemic uh, because we quite depended on travel and tourism. So one uh, uh, COVID hit, we had to proactively close uh, early March and stayed open for uh, about three months. But after a while, we, we kind of knew that this was going to take some time. So we decided to come back with the precautions in place and all the procedures that we need to take care of. However, we weren't comfortable in opening the dining uh, because we don't have an outside seating. So we just came back and take out and deliver business. Uh, we also, do, in addition to that, we have bulk order and uh, prepared meal services deliveries. Unfortunately, uh, that's not where we would like it to be. So we again had to uh, think about another means of getting uh, revenue streams. So this is where Curious comes into play. We had to uh, package items we considered as well our hit uh, sellers or our hits. So currently, we came up with packaged uh, infused oil. Uh, seasoned salt and tea, uh, iced tea, Ethiopian style iced tea. So we have these uh, sellers on, we sell them on our website as well as on third party sites. In addition to this, I'm part of a Let's Talk DC forum. It's uh, uh, organized by DC chapter of the uh, James Beard Foundation. So the objective is basically to support the women, to support each other, and um, help each other survive this crisis. Uh, so we do, what we do is we meet uh, regularly and try to come up with a strategy that can generate revenue for our businesses. And in doing so, we, in the past, towards the end of the summer, we organized a restaurant week for women, women restaurant week, and that uh, helped in terms of creating awareness. Um, and also, uh, currently we're running a virtual market for the holidays. So this kind of thing helps every now and then. However, this is not enough to uh, meet our obligations in terms of finance. So, uh, so far we've been okay, uh, mainly because of the PPP loan and uh, grants that we received from DC. And also, above all, we have a landlord that is really uh, willing to work with us. So this has helped so far. But looking forward, this is not uh, sustainable. The, ne the next few years are gonna, the next few months are gonna be quite crucial for restaurant businesses. So grants like the uh, Restaurant Bridge Fund is going to make a, a huge difference to a restaurant just like myself. So I'd like to say thank you and uh, finish my thank you. Thanks so much uh, for joining us. Uh, and uh, we're going to open it up to questions now and really get the conversation uh, going. Uh, I know that we did have some uh, sound issues earlier. So if you were listening on the phone line, we apologize for the sound issues. Uh, it is 2020, uh, so things will happen, as we all know. Uh, but we also want to let folks know that we'll keep uh, this video up on uh, our Facebook page. Uh, so on the Mayor Bowser Facebook page, you can look at uh, all the information that we shared earlier and rewatch uh, the video uh, that was uh, aired. Uh, so I want to thank folks for hanging with us through that. Uh, we do have some folks who have called in uh, on the phone line and have questions. Uh, first up is uh, Philip in Ward 2, uh, looking to see if we could have Philip join the call. Philip, can you hear me? Yes, I can. Thank you very much. Uh, the question is about the bridge loan. Uh, I'm with the Del Sur Cafe in DuPont Circle, and we only opened for business in mid-January, uh, so we don't have a 2019 tax return. Does that make us ineligible for the bridge loan? I'm going to no, it does not make you ineligible. There's additional guidance for businesses that open prior to the public health emergency that are specific to uh, have you in mind. So uh, there is additional guidance and language, and we definitely encourage you to join us for our information session as we go into greater detail. But you are still an eligible business to apply. Thank you very much. You're very welcome. Uh, we have uh, a question on Facebook uh, from Jason. He had trouble, this is actually not related to the bridge fund, but to some of our rental assistants, uh, ERAP and CHAP, uh, and uh, had a little bit of trouble with uh, an appointment that uh, seemed to have fallen through. Uh, Jason, we're going to uh, reach directly out to you to make sure that you're connected uh, with one of our housing uh, counseling services uh, and make sure that you do, uh, well, that we see it through to make sure uh, that you get that appointment, and uh, we'll follow up with you on that. Uh, next up, we had a question uh, from Greg. 
Uh, he was on the phone line, but I think we uh, lost him. Uh, he had a question, Sabangle, about uh, on the bridge fund application, it asked for uh, employee information uh, related to the first quarter of 2020. Uh, what uh, information do folks need to apply uh, to uh, provide uh, related to their employees? Uh, all we need is just your, your, your roster of employees that you have. That's it. So uh, if you're able to send that, that's what we're looking for. If you need additional assistance, we're happy to do some one-on-one -on -one and help you get that information submitted as part of your application. And just one more time, uh, Sabangwe, what's the email address if folks have a question about uh, the Bridge Fund? Absolutely. It's restaurantbridgefund at dc.gov. So all one word, restaurantbridgefund Correct. Okay. Could I also flag uh, two other things. I know that there may be some uh, questions from our sole proprietors out there, and I would like to mention that sole proprietors are eligible if you have a physical presence and you are a D.C. resident. So um, you are also eligible uh, as well. So I, I do want to make sure that I, I flag that. There is also additional guidance, those businesses that have kind of a, a hybrid model that you are retail and a retail establishment, but you also have a restaurant component or vice versa. There is additional guidance for you so that to help you uh, determine which funds you should be applying for as well. So uh, I did want to make sure that I flagged and, and shared uh, that information as well, uh, that that is additional guidance that is available through our FAQs. And I, I will share that that, uh, that pivot that we made about uh, sole proprietors, uh, Sabangle, I know that was informed by uh, some of our partners on the council who reached out. Uh, I know that uh, with the Bridge Fund, we really uh, do thank uh, Council Member Kenya McDuffie, who chairs the uh, Committee on mm -hmm. Business and Economic Development, uh, for his assistance as we have uh, thought through how to set up the Bridge Fund uh, mm -hmm. and other councils mm -hmm. too, who have mm -hmm. uh, given us guidance along the way. Uh, we also have another live caller, uh, Delroy, uh, in Ward 5. Delroy, I think you have a question about rental assistance. Yes, uh, I'm here. All right, Delroy, what's your question? Yeah, my question was about the um, the rental assistance. I have submitted my information last week, but I still haven't. I did receive an email that they did receive their uh, paperwork, uh, but I haven't heard back anything from them. Um, I mean, landlord is, you know, pressing me about rent, so I'm okay. trying to see. And Delroy, did you apply for our small housing provider program or for our affordable? Uh, did you do that through DHCD or do you know? Um, I don't remember. It's okay. What was uh, sure I think it was the Iraq applied for. Okay. Well, what we'll do is, uh, so for ERAP, that is actually uh, an application uh, that you would uh, get feedback from our Department of Human Services. If you apply for one of the housing stabilization grant programs, uh, that is a grant program that uh, was a $10 million grant program uh, that Mayor Bowser set up through the uh, uh, CARES Act funding uh, from the federal uh -huh. government. Uh, and for that program, we actually are closing out the application uh, this Friday, December 11th. Uh, for those okay. uh, uh, for those applications, we're actually uh, going to be assessing them. Uh, really, we're going to start this week. We're going to do that on a rolling basis, uh, and we anticipate uh, that we'll start uh, with awards uh, by the end of next week. Uh, and so if it's a housing stabilization grant program, uh, that's the timeline for it. Uh, for ERAP, uh, we'll have the folks from uh, the Department of Human Services uh, give you a little bit more uh, information about uh, the process for that. So if we keep Delroy on uh, and get his contact information, we'll make sure we close the loop uh, for you. Uh, so next up, a uh, social media question uh, for um, from Amber. Uh, it's a, a suggestion. Uh, it's about, uh, uh, folks know about this. This is how about, uh, it says FastPass for essential food workers at testing sites. Oh, I understand. Uh, so, Sean, do you want to talk about how we've gotten the word out about uh, testing and what it means to register uh, ahead of time? Yes. So that is um, actually, I thank you for reminding me. Um, probably should have mentioned that earlier, but the uh, the current fast pass or um, expedited 
uh, lane pass is um, to register prior to arriving to a testing site. Um, and I know it, it might not sound like much, but I've actually experienced a few times where um, I've forgotten to register prior to arriving to the site, and it's taken me longer. And I noticed that um, others in the line who did not register actually slow up the process of uh, getting through the testing site and actually getting tested. So I would encourage everyone to register, pre-register before you arrive, and that would actually help uh, fast-track everyone to take their test. And, uh, Director, uh, the other thing to highlight, too, is regardless of whether you uh, do provide your insurance information or not, all testing uh, at our public testing sites is free. Uh, so we want to make sure that folks know uh, we want you to get tested, we want you to utilize uh, the resource that's available to you, especially if you've reached out to your doctor or medical provider and they're unable to provide a test to you, you can come to one of our uh, testing sites. Uh, if you have insurance, we ask you to provide that. Uh, but regardless of whether you have insurance or not, testing is free. Uh, so, Kathy, um, you've been working in the industry, and uh, one of the things that I know that you hear a lot about are a lot of questions about how to get uh, uh, their employees ready and testing and uh, what that means. Talk to us about what this free testing means uh, to the industry. Well, I, it's huge. It's a question we get every single day, and sometimes we get the same question every day. Um, but it's because people in our industry are juggling about a million things a moment. So their commitment is to keep themselves as operators and their employees safe. So free testing goes a very long way. FastPass does as well. I think um, being able to push that out so more of the industry is aware that if people register ahead of time, it will also be a faster process. Um, I think that's day to day. There are times when it's so easy and seamless, and then there are other days where it's a little bit more challenging. But the free testing is something that we communicate probably twice a week in our mass emails that we send out to over 1,300 um, food service professionals. Um, so we will continue to do that. But I think that knowing about FastPass and being able to reinforce that with our folks um, will also be able to uh, minimize some of the frustration of those days where it's a little bit longer. And now to some of the fun stuff. Uh, Tiffany, you talked about uh, making a pivot uh, to actually uh, send folks kits. Uh, I think you talked about your shop. Uh, specializing in sparkles and sprinkles. Did I get that right? Sprinkles. All right, yep, Sean. Put some sparkles and sprinkles on everything, and, you know, you've got nothing but happy smiles. <laughs> uh, before the pandemic, uh, Sean specialized in uh, sparklers. Oh, uh, yeah. At, uh, <laughs> being the nightlife mayor. Uh, but tell us about sort of making that pivot. How did you get yourself ready for it, and uh, how did you know what your customers would want in that I, way? Right. I mean, it's something I'd actually wanted to do for a while. You know, I kind of have been trying to find the silver lining in 2020. And even though it's super, super thin, sometimes you can find it there. And I think for me, it was having the time to be able to work on this project and kind of bring it to fruition, which I don't think I would have ever done when I was running a fully operational business. So, you know, there's definitely items on the menu that are fan favorites. Uh, we have an item called a cinnascone, which is a scone that's rolled up like a cinnamon roll and then glazed. So we did a kit for that because that's the number one thing that people have requested while we've been closed is calling and saying, when are you going to open? I haven't had a Cinescone in six months, you know. Um, so we did that. Uh, we did a kit for a thing called a unicorn bar, which is a blondie with sparkles and sprinkles, and every box has a jar of edible glitter in it. I always tell the parents that are buying it. Cause it's, a lot of these are like activities you can do with your children in addition to just doing alone. But I always tell the parents there's lots of extra glitter in there. So if your kid won't eat their broccoli, you know, just sprinkle a little on there. All of a sudden, you, you'll have a vegetable eater. Um, and the last thing we did was we did Mexican chocolate cookies just because a really good classic chocolate cookie with a twist. You can't, can't go wrong with that. Oh, and then we did apple pies for Thanksgiving. So I think the number one thing people love to eat but are afraid to make is pies. So we kind of made it easy. And what, the other thing I did, too, is we actually filmed a tutorial video for each of the kits, it's three to five minutes, so people can go onto our Instagram TV and actually watch the step-by-step -step process of the kit being made. So they're super, I call them um, high success rate kits. Everybody can make them and feel fabulous. I might try to test that out. And yeah, uh-oh, are you gonna give us a, <laughs> have to have a clause on there? 
almost so high success rate. So easy a deputy mayor can do it. Um, <laughs> but I think uh, I was about to say that uh, a reminder to everybody, and I don't know that the health department would uh, agree with this, but that uh, during the holiday season, all of your ingredients and all of your recipes are calorie-free. Calorie-free, fat-free. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep, totally. But I think that's a, a really good suggestion about, I'm thinking of my nieces and nephews mm-hmm. and getting them to eat their vegetables and giving them a little, a little bit of, little yeah. little sprinkle of edible glitter, never hurt anyone, you know. Absolutely. <laughs> I'm going to uh, send a care package up to New Jersey. That's right. There you go. Uh, Yamrat, tell us a little bit about some of the goods that you're selling now uh, and how you made that pivot uh, from being a restaurant to actually uh, uh, selling goods as well. Oh, and you're muted on your phone. Yeah. Uh, the way we started was uh, we basically sat down and t- took a look at what our main sellers are. And, uh, of course, we sell the end product still. We're still available. But we thought, okay, how about uh, customers are, uh, you know, going into cooking at home as well. So what can we provide uh, uh, that they can take home and be able to cook with it and get our flavor? So one of the things we managed to find is uh, to season our oil. Uh, and that seasoned oil gives you uh, that flavor, which makes it a typical Ethiopian experience. So that's where we started, and so we started bottling that uh, oil, uh, olive oil, but seasoned with Ethiopian herbs and spices. The other thing, similarly with uh, our salts, and we use them as wraps, we use them with our stir fry. so uh, we have recipes that they can use with those ingredients and be able to actually uh, cook at home something similar to Ethiopian food or get the flavoring of Ethiopian food. So these are the two things that we uh, managed to uh, pivot from. Absolutely. So, uh, as you probably know, Mayor Bowser traveled uh, to Ethiopia uh, last year, and uh, this is I a know. good time. I it's know. a good yeah. time. Yeah. Uh, it's a good time for us to. Sorry. No, I was going to say it's a good time for us to come uh, check you out and check out some of those goods that uh, you have for sale, so that we can uh, really get some of those tastes and flavors back uh, from our uh, trip. Thank you. That would be our pleasure. Thank you. And you Absolutely. know, Deputy Mayor, that. Um, that Latina is also one of our grocery grantees from last year. They received a grant from us. If we didn't get that grant, we would have not been here now. So. <laughs> <laughs> Very excited that you're here with us. And also, actually, with Curate, I know that uh, Kim worked with our colleague uh, Joy James and, and Stephanie uh, for their Curate virtual pitch competition recently as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Accelerator program. Yep. It's fantastic. Uh, work with uh, the businesses that you work with, uh, and Yamrat's a great example of how she was doing her core business, and then she switched and made a pivot, as we like to say. Uh, how do you work with them about how they can uh, think about making that pivot and also kind of marketing it uh, to their customers? That's a good question, and I love the example that you just gave, Tiffany, because really understanding your core value and I'm calling it COVID clarity. You sort of stripped away everything that was no longer serving you and refocused on that unique value proposition. So as Tiffany was recommending, also Yamrat just said, what are those main sellers that you have that maybe are your highest margin items or fan favorites that you can double down on and think about how you can deliver that experience in an alternative channel? So again, it could be selling through a retailer. It could be partnering with another business and creating a cross-merchandise kit together. But really, again, assess what is your unique value, what differentiates you in the marketplace, and double down on how that, um, how you can exude those values out there because it's a tough competitive marketplace out there. So you really got to tell your story and let it shine. Thank you for that. And- couple more questions that we got from social media, uh, but before we get to that, uh, Max in Ward 2 uh, is on the line uh, with a question about the bridge fund. Max, can you hear us? Oh, yes. This is Matt. Okay, great. Uh, thanks for joining us. You had a question about the bridge fund? Yeah, I did. And I, I'm sorry, I was a little late to the call. Um, I'm out here at a restaurant on 17th Street, and I was just uh, I'm going to be turning in my application here, but I was just trying to find out. Um, how the award amount is determined. I'll, I'll look to Sabangle to help us with that one. Yep, so uh, it's, ba- it's mainly based on your, your fixed cost that you have. 
Um, and we are, uh, obviously, as we think about the bridge fund, we're thinking about more meaningful amounts of money to kind of help uh, and uh, trying to award businesses based on uh, their fixed costs that they have currently. As everyone is thinking about how they reduce their costs, this is one thing that we are definitely focused on. So your payroll, your insurance, your um, your rent. And so as we look at that in addition to the uh, how long you have been here in the city and operating and also the number of employees that you have, those are all factors that are included in uh, in the in the award. Uh, another question that we uh, received on social media from Stanford uh, was that uh, he owns a business uh, that is not a bar, restaurant, retail club, or rental housing. Uh, is there any uh, support for him, or how does he uh, find out the support that might be available to a business like his? I'm sorry, what kind of business is it? Well, he didn't quite say. He just said that it's not uh, in the hospitality industry, I'll say, for shorthand, or rental housing. So how should he look to see what assistance might be available to him? I need more information, so I'd love if he could, I mean, if he could just email us at the Restaurant uh, Bridge Fund email address, then we could certainly get down to the bottom of it and help him uh, identify which fund that he is eligible for. Okay. Uh, and he had a follow-up question about sure. uh, how do you uh, prioritize uh, non-DC-owned businesses over DC-owned businesses, but I think you can tell us a little bit about the local business uh, uh, eligibility that we look for. Yeah, I'm sorry, he's looking for what now? Well, his question was how do you decide to prioritize non-DC-owned businesses over DC-owned businesses, uh, which might be a misconception. Can you tell us a little bit about how we uh, emphasize local business elements? Yeah, we are actually emphasizing local, uh, you know, there is a set aside for those businesses that are resident-owned. Uh, and then those businesses that are here that are here based in DC. So there is a, a greater definition around how we are looking at businesses, but obviously we want to make sure that we are prioritizing those that are resident-owned, those businesses that are also here uh, as well and uh, local here. So they are LBE. And so that is a definition that we are using for uh, as we look at the businesses that are eligible for this. Uh, there are also some other criteria as well, so we tried to make it as broad uh, as we could so that we could capture as many of those businesses that we know we need to be uh, supporting. Uh, but happy to continue to have that conversation with you uh, when you shoot us some content so we can kind of identify which fund that you uh, should be applying for. We always want to uh, ask folks to check out uh, what might be available to them by looking at coronavirus.dc.gov. Absolutely. the recovery section. Uh, there's all the programs that we have uh, for you. So it's coronavirus.dc.gov slash recovery. Uh, one more question uh, from social media. Uh, Sabangwe, this one's for sure. you as well. Uh, what's the turnaround time for bridge fund grant application approval? Uh, and can you tell us sort of how approval works and then disbursement? Uh, can you walk us through that a little bit? Yeah, sure. Fantastic question. So um, like I had mentioned earlier, that uh, businesses are eligible to apply now. It closes on the 28th. Um, our, uh, we do have a third-party provider who is reviewing all applications. We expect and anticipate to begin awarding businesses, um, uh, begin awarding businesses as early as January through February, uh, if not sooner. But that's kind of our timeline right now. We're really trying to get through these as quickly as possible. So, um, as applications are coming in, we will continue to review. Once they close, we'll finish all review uh, and then begin uh, doing conditional award notification to businesses and turn around and do disbursement as fast as we can. Thank you, Sabangle. So we're uh, running to the end of our time. We're actually a little bit over, but I'm going to ask Kathy uh, Hollinger to give us kind of her parting thoughts, uh, and then we'll uh, bring in the rest for the. So I really think my um, my if I could give any kind of insight or guidance to first our industry of our amazing industry, just to think about the luxury of planning time we've never had, you know, it's to Tiffany's point. We've never been in a position where we have time to think about where we need to be right now, where we need to be as we get through the winter, but really as you are resetting as operations and businesses, um, that is silver lining. As difficult as this time is, to just think about what your January plan may look like, what your February plan may look like, 
and really in a more hopeful way, late spring and summer. Um, and then I would say my parting thought to or um, insight shared to the city is thank you again for being great partners. Um, and as we think about recovery and reset, uh, to think about opportunities where restaurants are able to recoup all of what was lost in March and April and May. So as we have these great allowances in place right now, to think about having those allowances that don't necessarily cost money, but they're allowances that allow these operators to maybe have double dining rooms because they can have indoor at that point, hopefully outdoor um, in an easier way, just to streamline regulations where we can really recover faster than what we hope we uh, may need to recover. Thank you for that, Kathy, and thank you for your partnership uh, throughout 2020 uh, and beyond. Uh, we know that uh, these are stressful times, but really getting information out, uh, you've been a great partner in that and helping us uh, develop these programs. Uh, so I'll go to uh, Yamrat next to tell us uh, kind of what uh, is in store next for her and uh, how she's going to navigate uh, the uh, closeout of 2020. Um, planning has been quite difficult for us, uh, mainly because we don't, uh, the uncertainty of the future has been uh, holding us back. But uh, in terms of what we have on, um, you know, in our pipeline is uh, working on our Latina grocery, uh, which means that we're going to be trying to have more marketable products, which, uh, like I said, part, uh, we can pack in our kitchen and for customers to take home and to take away and have a longer shelf life than just uh, take out uh, food that for the night. The second thing we have is a meal packet. I'm working with the um, forum that I mentioned earlier. Um, we're, gonna, we're trying to come up with a meal packet, package, package meal for a weekly uh, supply. So that's a second one that we're working on. And in the meantime, we hope with the uh, with the um, uh, vaccine on the, you know, in the future, uh, we're hoping things will get back to normal and we'll resume our operation. That's, uh, those are the three things that we're hoping for at the moment. Great. And Kim, thank you, Yamra. Kim, tell us about how you, uh, what's your best advice to those who are planning for the weeks and months ahead, uh, those in the restaurant and food uh, establishment business? Yes. So I would just encourage everyone to think about the power of collective. Uh, whether that be helping a neighbor in need with a grant application or perhaps thinking about the way in which we can group group buy things together. What's the opportunity we can have in, in coming together even around peer-to-peer -peer support groups? So definitely think about the neighbors in need in your own industry. Um, and what I'll also share is if you're a large business or institution and you are considering ways in which you can help, don't just think about bad times, but even in good times, small businesses need stable cash flow. So if you're looking to shift your dollars, specifically your purchasing power, into small business, please reach out because that collective mentality of our small business community is what certainly drives us at Curate and what really makes our entire city thrive, as we can see. Uh, Tiffany, your parting advice? advice. I mean, I think the best recommendation I can make is just to remember there's a light at the end of the tunnel, but in the meantime, take a bet on yourself. You know, if you have an idea you've been kind of rolling around in your head for a while and you now suddenly find yourself with a little bit of time to work on it and it kind of works for the new environment that we're living in, I say go for it. I mean, we don't know what the new normal is going to look like even once the vaccine comes out. So I think being realistic with how long we're going to be in this still and taking a bet on yourself and just, you know, kind of doing the pivot that you've kind of got rolling around in the back of your head. I think if more people did that, they'd, they'd be a lot less scared of the future. Absolutely. Thank you for that. Sean? And I, I just piggyback on what Tiffany said, uh, bet on yourself. Uh, these are uncertain times um, that we're in, but also um, physical health and, and mental health is very important uh, these days. And there's a hear more stories about um, employees and workers uh, testing positive, um, but also um, being unemployed. So uh, I, I would encourage all of us to uh, continue to just check on each other, uh, whether you're, you're you're working or not, or in the industry or not. 
Um, and, you know, just remember that we're all in this together and we're all sort of dealing it, dealing with it in our own way. But uh, it's always good to check in with, with each other. Thank you, Sean. And uh, Sabangler? I would like to echo what everyone said. Uh, absolutely. Um, and not to repeat that, but I would also want to encourage um, businesses, folks who are curious, want to understand more about what's happening and opportunities, so please go to the coronavirus.dc.gov uh, website uh, as we are constantly updating it, uh, as you have said before, Deputy Mayor and the Mayor has as well, uh, is that please check those websites. And obviously, if you are, if you need some assistance uh, with any of the funds that we are offering, please email us as we are standing ready to respond and assist as best as we can. Thank you for that, Savangle. And thank you to all our guests for joining us, all the folks who joined us uh, watching on Channel 16, on our live streams, uh, or on the phone line. We really appreciate you joining us. Uh, we hope this is helpful as you navigate uh, this grant application. Uh, and like I said, the reason Mayor Bowser wanted to uh, create the Bridge Fund and wanted to support employers uh, was for the employees that they could support. Uh, we know that in the District of Columbia, if a worker is making minimum wage, uh, $15 an hour, uh, that they uh, make about $600 a week. However, if that same uh, employee uh, loses their job and has to collect unemployment, uh, that benefit is less than $300 a week. Uh, and so it makes a real difference in people's lives uh, to keep people working. And we know that the hospitality industry uh, does that. So we're excited to be joined by uh, so many great entrepreneurs who joined us today, uh, who talked about uh, what the industry means to them and what their business means to them. And to echo what Tiffany said, uh, nobody became an entrepreneur because it was the easiest way to make money. They knew that they could provide a good or service uh, even better. Uh, and so we thank the entrepreneurs for the work that they do, the vibrancy that they add to the city. If you have uh, questions, check out our website, coronavirus.dc.gov. All the information that we talked about today uh, will be listed on the recovery page, and the Bridge Fund has a page uh, onto itself. Uh, also, next week we'll be opening up the uh, grant application uh, for the retail industry. Uh, so for those in retail, please check out the Bridge Fund site on Monday. And then on Tuesday, join us here at 4 p.m. Uh, for a similar conversation about the retail industry. Thank you all. Be safe, and we'll see you next week.